I believe there have been things unleashed on this earth over the last four or five years that have been waiting from eternity to be released. Unprecedented confusion, perversion, immorality, wickedness, godlessness. But in the midst of that, I believe God has reserved a special anointing for the end times. The early church burned bright for Jesus. The end times church is going to burn with his glory. Because the Bible says we're called to go from glory to glory. So as good as yesterday might have been, you know what? Today is going to be better in Jesus' name. And tomorrow is going to be better. Glory to God. Because God is with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? starting a new series today. It's a two-part series, and it's called Saints and Sinners. <laughs> How many of you know the gospel is for everybody? Yeah. Amen. And uh, many of us that are saints today, it's not too long ago that we were, amen. So I believe this series is going to bless you, and uh, for these next two weeks, I'm going to start the message by having somebody come and tell their story. And today, we have what I would call a son in the faith, and, you know, a son in this house, and a man we, we love and we believe in, and he's got such a powerful story. So I want you to give an encouragement as Kian comes to share his story. Kian Ford, come on. Come on, man. Well, it's always a blessing to be up here glorifying God. And, you know, and today I want to testify, but, you know, I just want to make it clear that I'm testifying to give God the glory. There's nothing prideful about this. But what I do, I just need to bring it just back to where I started before I go into how God has changed my life. So first off, you know, um, I was born into homelessness. Um, my mom lived in the Regina Charlie Hostel. Uh, that's where she grew up as well. Um, never knew my father. Um, my mom was, was in the Magdalene homes, uh, suffered all the abuse and, you know, I mean, the foilings of that. And, you know, um, hurting people hurt people. And she brought that to our house. She brought that foilings and she brought that sexual abuse. And for years and years, I suffered sexual abuse by my own mother. But my mother had um, psychiatric problems. She was schizophrenic, manic, depressive, a number of things. And she was always in and out of hospital. And when she'd be in hospital, I'd be taken and I'd be put into a care home for so many months. Then I'd be back and then a care home. And the care homes was meant to be, uh, you know I mean, a saving grace, shall we say. But I found that, um, you know, I went to a care home. I was there for a year. And uh, in this care home, I suffered uh, violence. They, they, they were there to meant to be look after me, but they didn't. Um, you know, and like all bullies, they look for a weakness. Now, I was only seven and uh, they found, I used to wet the bed of a night time. And um, what the father used to do in the morning, he used to fill a bath, a bathtub full of water. And he used to drag me in with the bed sheet and he grabbed me by the hair and hold me under and rub the sheet in my face and tell me I was dirty. I, to me, I just accepted life, that this was life, that this is how life is for everybody, that violence and abuse is the way it is. So I was hardened, I was hardened as a kid. 
I was hardened and I hated. I started to hate people. I really started to hate people and especially women because I looked at my mother and see, I had no family. We had no family. It was just the two of us. And I, I, this is a woman that was meant to be my role model, which was meant to love me and she didn't. And, and this went on and on and it led me to, you know, search for love somewhere else. And I found it in drugs. What I thought it was, I found it in drugs. At 12 years of age, I started taking drugs just to block out everything because I felt it was dirty because the devil plays with your head and he made me feel that, it made me feel that, why didn't I fight back? Did, did, did I deserve it or did I like what was happening? I must have liked it because I didn't fight back, but I didn't know how to. I was a kid. I was hurting and I was scared. And then I, try, I, I seeked and I couldn't find it in drugs and I found it in gangs, what I thought it was. And I started to join a gang and I started to do what all gangs do. They had me running around selling drugs, had me doing this robbing and this. And, you know, it just led me to even more darkness. What I was searching for, I was searching for love and, you know, happiness, but it was just bringing me to darkness and darkness and darkness to where I was losing who I was. And, you know, and people always used to say about God and, you know, because we're, it's a Catholic country and you hear about God. And I was always like, he forgot about me. I'm the one he forgot about. And, you know, and that's the way I grew up. And then, you know, because of what my mom would be saying about what happened in the Magdalene homes, it just, it really tore me bitter. And, you know, and as I got further and further into gang life, it led me to jail. It led me to, you know, lose my, my daughter, my eldest daughter, who's 23, I spent most of her life, uh, most of her relationship is me uh, through a prison phone in prison because, and you know, she stopped talking to me and, you know what I mean, it's, I've lost a lot of things because of it. And, you know, and, it's, and as I said, you know what I mean, uh, it, it just brought me really, really into a dark, dark place. And that's the way life was. Life was just violence to me. And, you know, and I had something in the gang that no one else had. And that was that hatred and wanted revenge for people. I hated to see people happy. I really did. I hated to see people happy. And, you know, and, you know drugs led to, I went on to heroin. I went on to crack. And, like, the only light in my life was the light that was lighting up the, the, the crack at the end of a pipe. And that was the only life. And I started to inject heroin. I was injecting heroin at 14 years of age. I mean, in Ireland, you, mean, you might think 14, but... Back back then, in the 90s, heroin was spread all over the place, and you know, I mean, we didn't understand it back then, and you know, and we took it because we thought that was the only way, the only way out, and you know, and it led to overdoses. It led to many, many overdoses, and in hospital, I should be dead. I should be dead. And, you know, and my life ended up being, I had to wear a bulletproof vest and carry a gun with me at all times. I had to sleep in a bulletproof vest. You know what I mean? But it came to the point where I didn't care if the drugs killed me or a bullet would kill me because death would have been the easy way out. And then, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk too much. I just wanted to bring us to where that was and it was a very hurtful. I felt, I never felt love. I never had a family. I felt abandoned and abused. And, you know, and th that's the way life was. But then, you know, in 2017, somebody told me about a guy called Jesus. Now, to me, to me, it's like, nah, 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 nah. This guy forgot about me. He forgot about me. But, you know, at that time, my drug addiction was so bad 
Like I was, I was injecting in my legs. I was injecting everywhere. I, I was going to work and I was rubbing dirt on my hands because I was working in construction. I was wor- rubbing dirt on my hands so that he couldn't see the needle marks and the bruisings from the needles. And you know, and at that time, I had, I had people wanted to kill me. There was hits. Of, people don't know what hits are. when people put money down to have you killed because that's gang life. You know what I mean? I had no peace. And life was really, I was, going, I was going to be killed. So I wanted to get into a rehab because I was like, if I can get clean and I can get strong, then I can fight them back. I wasn't to get clean, to stay clean. It was, I need to fight back or they're going to kill me. And that's what, and that's what I, I was trying to look for a rehab here in Ireland. Couldn't get one. So a fella said to me about a rehab in Liverpool. I said, you know what? I'll, what is it? He said, it's a Christian rehab. I said, ah, no, 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 no. But then, you know, I was like, God never done anything for me, so I'll use him. I'll go and I'll get clean and I'll come back and Ireland will, Ireland will see what they've done to me. They'll suffer. And I went. And you know, God has different plans, doesn't he? <laughs> I went over there for, for, it was meant to be 12 months. And you know what I mean? And I started to hear testimonies. And it's by testimonies I started to think, you know what I mean? There was too many testimonies. And these people are happy and they're jumping around. And I'm like, I want, I want a bit of this. I want a bit of this. And I started to open my heart. But after seven, week, seven months there, i done the wrong thing. And I leaned on my own understanding and I left. The same day I left, I ended up back in heroin and crack, crack uh, cocaine. The worst I've ever been. The worst. Three weeks before I came home, I was in a friend's house and I was injecting heroin and I collapsed. I don't remember, all I remember is him banging me chest, screaming, come back, come back, come back. I used to think it was him that saved me. It was God holding my heart, pumping it to keep me alive, because he had plans for me. Yeah, so I lay one night in my bed, and I was like, you know, I wanted to die. I wanted to, I couldn't get clean. I tried and tried and couldn't get clean. I tried everything, and I couldn't do it. And I lay in my bed, and I cried out, God, you come and you take me home, or you come and save me. And I said, if you do... I'll do three things. I'll, let, I'll, I'll join the church. I'll serve you and I'll learn your word. Three weeks later, I came back to Ireland. I didn't want to come back here because this is where all my problems are. I was like, God, what are you doing? You know what I mean? What are you doing? But I came back. And you know, and when I came back, I, was, I had to go through a detox and I'd done a cold turkey. If anyone doesn't know what that means, no medication, nothing. And it was the hardest, hardest I've ever done in my life. But I wasn't alone. God was with me through it. And then when I got clean, it was around people that was doing drugs in front of me. And they were trying to pull me back into that life. They were trying to, they, they were trying to ask me to get them drugs. And I was like, I need, I, need, I need you, God. So I Googled a Christian church. And a whole nation's church came up. Yeah. <laughs> and I came... And, um, and you know what I mean? I loved it. The first day I loved it. And I think I text, I Googled, and I seen Pastor John's number, and I just texted him saying, was that your church? Really enjoyed it, loved it. And he rang me within hours. He doesn't waste time. <laughs> he rang me in hours. And he was saying, oh, it's great. Keep, come back next week. But when I came back, COVID happened. I thought I brought bad luck on the church. I said, it's me. I turned up at the church, and he closed it down. <laughs> but you know, Pastor John then asked me to come in because we were doing the live, the live um, stream, the live stream, and he said, "Come," and he put me on the camera team, and I started to serve. And as COVID went on, I, I was here every week, and you know, and I started to get to know people, and I started to make friends. And then when people started to come back, you mean we were able to churches were back open again. 
I mean, I was still serving, but I was serving faithfully. I, at the start, I'm not going to say I knew what I was doing. I was just poor Ovi was on the camera. I gave him a hard time. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. The only time I had a camera in my hand was when I was stealing it before, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I did, you know what I mean? And I came, and then, you know, I, I served. I served. And then Pastor told me about the Bible school. And I started, you know, and it was a promise I made to God. I said I'd join a church. I'd learn his word and I'd serve him. And I started to go to Bible school. And I graduated the two years. Graduated this year. You know, and it was through the Bible school that I started to learn about God. To understand God. And that God is about love. He's not about hate. And my life started to change because this, this started to come alive to me. This started to answer questions that I searched for in a needle and I searched for in a gang. It was here in front of me. And, you know, and as time went on, and then, you know, when you're on a team, you meet friends, you meet family. You mean, we, we, we've met great friends. We go out for meals, but we, we, you know what I mean? And we stay, we stay over. And it's just, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's real friends. It's real friends who care about you, who love, who love you and want the best for you. And, you know what I mean? and it was on the team then that I met Naima. <laughs> Join the team, lads. <laughs> and girls. But you know what I mean? I met, I met Naima, but I came to this church. And you know what I mean? I didn't come to seek anybody. I didn't come to seek a woman. I came to seek God. Because he had saved my life. And I want to know him. I want to get to know the person. Because no one saved my life. I had the gangs behind me. I had a fest. They didn't save my life. They put me in danger. But here's God. He saved my life. And I want to get to know him. I want a relationship with you. I mean, if this is true, well then, you know what I mean? I want to live it. And I met Naima, and we became friends. You know what I mean? <sighs> she dragged that one out. <laughs> we became friends. And you know, and as I said, I had this hatred for women. I, did, I, I had no respect for women. But as most of us know Naima, she's the most gentlest, loving, and caring person you'll ever meet. And Naima started to show me what a real woman, not just a real woman, but what a godly woman is all about. And I started to see something different than women. I started to change my thinking. And I started to heal. God was using Naima to help me recover and heal from what happened to me before. You know, and we've, and we, and we've got married. We're eight months. Eight months, yeah. I don't do dates. I do memories. Right, let's just clear that one up. <laughs> I mean, ten months. <laughs> Time goes fast, doesn't it? <laughs> and you know, and we got married. Now, myself and Naima don't have, don't have any family. Our mother, both of our mothers are dead. We didn't know our fathers. So, you know what I mean? When we had a wedding, we didn't have any, as they say, blood family. But we had a church family. We had a church family. And Pastor John married us. And you know, our wedding was the best, even better than we ever thought. What we planned. And when we were going through, we didn't have the finances. We were, we were sort of struggling. But we knew it was the right thing to do. We knew we needed to get married. We knew God had put us together. And we needed to obey him. And we needed to do it right. But, as, but when we looked at our finances, it was like, how are we going to do this? But Naima is a, is, is a God-fearing woman. And she, every time it's, just God. God has it. God has it. And I stress a bit. You know what I mean? I'm one of them. Oh no, hell. And she's like, God's our dad. You know what I mean? And we did. And you know what? He provided every time. Every time that something came up, he provided money. And whether it was through overtime, 
jobs, it, it, it came. It came. And we had the best wedding. And we, and we had it here with our family. We had it with our family. And you know, I just, I just, I'm just going here. Sorry, two seconds. Right? And <laughs> running away with myself. You know what I mean? And can I just say something about the teams, actually? You know what I mean? I think it's, I have their names, Anna, Anita, and Jonathan. Like, these are teens, and they're serving on teams. You mean, when I was their age, I was either in and out of prison or I was on drugs. But they chose to not live in that world, but to come here every Sunday and serve the Lord. That's the next generation. And I have the most utter respect for them. I really do. You know, and, um, and just another thing about, you know what I mean, about if finding your partner. You know what I mean? Don't go, you don't go searching for your partner. God has your partner already there. You just need to wait because God does not bless desperateness. He blesses faithfulness. Okay? And you know, and, and God has placed me, he's placed me in this church. He's chose Pastor John and Pastor Joanna to be my leaders. And I'm in the presence of God right now. And I'm going to say I'm loyal to my pastors. There is nothing they wouldn't do that I wouldn't, that I, nothing they, that they'd ask I wouldn't do. I remember Pastor John was saying, I think a couple of weeks ago, about glue, the people gluing themselves to the ground. When me and Naima go home, we always talk about the church, and we always are a meeting, and we talk about what happened. And uh, I said, did you hear Pastor John say about gluing, well, would anybody, if he was to do it, would anybody Naima turned around to me and says, you do that, because I would. I would do anything they ask. And we need, as a church, to get behind our pastors. God chose them to lead us. And we need to help them, not make it any worse for them. Yeah. Now. <laughs> you know. And you know, for the last three years, I've been working as a cleaner, cleaning toilets. And it's been hard. It's been hard. Because, you know, with me before, it was always about easy money. Selling drugs, you know what I mean, doing quite, it was easy money. But this time I had to work. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a cleaner, let me tell you. It's probably one of the hardest jobs you can do. You know what I mean? But I worked for three years, and I used to have to scrub toilets every day. Every day on my hands and knees scrubbing toilets. And I was like, you know, I knew who, gave, I knew who provided that for me. So that's why I'd done it to the best that I could do. Because I wanted to be faithful to him. But there was times, you know what I mean, I was like, God... You better sort something out here. I'm sick of this. You know what I mean? You walk in and say, oh, God, you're testing my patience and my faith here today. But you know, I, st I stayed. I'd done it. I'd done what I needed to do. And you know, but it came to the stage where I needed change. I was being, you know what I mean? I was being, too much was being put on me. Too much was being expected and nothing coming back. So I was getting very, very frustrated, and I kept saying to Naima, Naima, I need a new job, I need a new job. And she was like, God has a job, just be patient. Then she came home, three months, but two months ago, she came home, and um, she just said to me, oh, sorry, I came home, and she just said to me, she goes, this is your last month in your job, you better start saying your goodbyes. I hadn't even applied for any jobs. I'm like, oh, Naima, please, not today. You know, but she was like, no, 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 it's your last month. So I... Didn't think anything of it. Two weeks later, I, I said, you know what? Uh, I'll apply for a job on in Indeed, I think it was. And I applied for a job on the, I think the Tuesday. And they got in touch with me the day later to say there's an interview. So I rang them and I had an interview Friday. And I was like, oh no, 
the old started to come in, the devil started to talk to people, well, you're not going to get a job. You've got tattoos on your face. You've got a criminal record. They're not going to take you on. No one's going to take you on. And I started to doubt. But Noima kept telling me, no, 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 you're going to get that job. You're going to get that job. I went on the Friday for that interview. During the, during the interview, they turned around and said, we want to offer you this job. Yeah. I can, that's the favor of the Lord. That's the favor of the Lord. I was so excited, so excited. I didn't text Noima. I just wanted to get home quickly to tell her, I've got the job. I've got the job. When I walked in and I said, Noima, I got the job. She had a card and a bottle of perfume because she already knew I had got that job because God had put it on her heart. She already had a present and a card waiting for me because she knew, because that's what happens when you have faith in God. He moves mountains. You know what I mean? And then the job that I'm in now, I'm traveling around. I, I drive, I deliver products to people's houses. We install like washing machines, all these different things. Uh, and I'm all over Ireland. Like I drive all over Ireland. I, I could be anywhere. I'm going into people's houses and you know what I mean? And I, and I could be in there for an hour. But you know what the thing about it is? I'm going into people's houses all over Ireland and I get to bring the light of the Lord with me. I get to bring the presence of the Lord into these houses all over Ireland. And you mean, and every people in work say to me, you're always happy. You're always happy because I have the joy of the Lord. I have the joy of the Lord. And you know what I mean? And when I look back now and I think of the cleaning of the toilets to what I'm doing, how God is using me as a light. Is you know what I mean? Because God says he who was faithful in the little things is faithful in much. And, and I have two people in work, one has asked me uh, when the church, where the church is and what time it's on. He wants to come and visit the church. And the other one asked me, do we go out feeding the homeless? And I said, yeah, he wants to come out after Christmas feeding the homeless. That's God working through me in my new job. You know, and this, in the last couple of months, I haven't spoken to my daughter, Cheyenne. She stopped talking to me. We hadn't spoken in a few years. And... Um, a couple of months ago, she got it. She sent me a text, and she says that like she wants to, she wants to start making up with me. She wants to get to know me again. You know, my other daughter Jody. When I when I was in when I was over in Liverpool, you know, I didn't see her in two years because the drugs had held me. She's in the kids' church right now, and she's been coming to the kids' church for the last year and a half. You know, a cousin of mine, as I said, of no family, a cousin of mine, Roisin, got in touch with me a couple, of, uh, a couple of months ago saying that she wants to come and meet me and my family with her husband and children. You know what I mean? That's, that she's sorry that she didn't know and she wants to get to know me. You know what I mean? Like that there, you know what I mean? God again says, I will restore everything that the locusts have eaten. And you know, there's something powerful about that because God doesn't say, I might. I'll try. He says, I will. And you know, and it's God's timing. It really is God's timing. And you know, my life now is just full of love and peace. Like you see me now, I've no fest or no weapon, but I've the full armor of God on. You know, my life, like I have a family that I never had before. You I mean, I have people who want to see me move forward in life, not hold me back in life. And you know, and I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for that. But you know what I mean? It wasn't easy. I had to do things. I had to be obedient. I had to be faithful. 
You know, I, I don't say this in pride, but for three and a half years I've been in the church. I can count on one hand how many Sundays I've missed. My wife has been serving the church for five and a half years and she can count on one hand how many Sundays she has missed. Because that's what it takes, faithfulness, dedication and obedience. And to live by this, not just carry this around, but live by it. And let people see that you are different so that they want something that you want. You know, and just before I finish, you know, I really feel that God needs people to help him. He needs us to help. He needs vessels. He needs people to shine the light into dark places out there. We're in dark times and change is coming. And I'm not talking about snow or thing. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming and he needs people to, you know, to help him. To stand on the streets and declare the, the word of Christ. I mean, to, to go to their workplaces and not to be afraid to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, he needs people to stand in their homes and say, Lord, for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And to stand there and say, okay, my husband, my wife, my children, or my parents might not be saved, but I'm a child of God and I have faith that their hearts will be open and they will seek you. That's what God needs. He needs people. He needs us to help him to save, to save his children. He say, he's done so much in my life. Honest to God, I, 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 I don't want to miss Sundays. Not because I want to be seen as I don't miss. It's because I don't want to miss a second in the presence of God. Because what he has done in my life, nothing on this world ever done. No drug, no gang, nobody. God, God's my dad. And God's my healer. And you know me, and to God I give all the praise, the glory. To God be the glory. Thank you. Hallelujah. Could you give a shout of praise to the Lord today? How many of you are glad you came through the snow and the ice to hear that? You know, we're drawn to redemption as human beings. And that's why you look at any of the, the greatest movies or books um, ever written, the ones that inspire people, they're redemptive. If my wife could come as well, please. This is his beautiful wife, Naima, if you didn't know. Don't they look so beautiful together? How many times, Naima, did I say to you when you were there, typing furiously, typing in my scriptures before the start of the service, I said, you know, God's going to bless you with a lovely Irish husband. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just want to pray. Could you stand to your feet and just want to pray with them right now? Just stretch your hands towards this precious couple. You know, what God has brought together, no man or devil will ever tear asunder. 
And so, Lord, we just bless this precious couple in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that your anointing is upon them. We know they've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord. And I pray that they will continue to walk in that Christ-like humility, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that you're going to use them both for your glory. I pray a blessing upon them, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege of being their pastors, Lord God. And, 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 and you know, I, I just thank you for bringing them into this family. And I pray a blessing upon them, Lord. I thank you that the blessings they've walked in thus far are just the beginning, Lord. Because you said, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor ventured into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I know that Kian and Naima love you, Lord. And I know that you've got great plans and purposes for them both. And I pray you bless them. I pray you continue to prepare them, Lord God. And I thank you that you're going to use them for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, I pray you grant them the desires of their heart, Lord. We're standing with them and believing with them for their own home. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for adding to this, to this family in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God. Bless them in Jesus' wonderful name. And all the people said, Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Um, I'd like us to read Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And um, glory to Jesus. Revelation 12 and verse 11 says this. And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. It says, they overcame him. Who is that? They overcame the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In the church world, we often acknowledge, study, and proclaim the power of the blood of Jesus Christ for victory in our lives, and rightly so. And yet, in many ways, we tend to neglect uh, the other half of that verse, and uh, we, we tend to neglect the vital role of our testimony in defeating the enemy and in walking in victory, because this verse deals with both. I remember back in the 80s, the mid-80s, my mother got saved, and it was five or six years before I came to Christ, but she started going to full gospel businessmen's meetings, and the full gospel businessmen, if you didn't know them, um, uh, you know, they, they emphasized the power of testimony, and they had a little magazine, they were filled, they came out every month or two, and they were filled with stories of, of, of men and women, just like Kian, who encountered Christ, and they told their story, and I remember long before I became a believer, uh, just becoming an avid reader of these little magazines because they were just so fascinating because some of the stories in them were just, uh, I mean, uh, people who were just so far gone and yet each of them encountered Jesus Christ and their lives were changed. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You know that word testimony in the Greek is marturius, which means evidence given. Uh, it's uh, the Greek word marturius, evidence given, record, report, testimony, witness. And it comes from the Greek word martus, where we get the word martyr. And um, 
And so uh, it, that word martyr means a witness literally in, in a judicial sense, uh, i.e. giving your uh, witness in court, or figuratively, um, by analogy, a martyr, a record, or a witness. And so when we speak of the martyrs in the church, we're, we're talking of those brave men and women who, down through the ages, gave their lives for Jesus Christ. Men and women who sealed the testimony of their life by their death. Men like Stephen, the first Christian martyr whose story is recounted in Acts 6 and 7. Or uh, Polycarp, who is the bishop of Smyrna. Um, he lived between AD 69 and 155. This man was bound and burned at the stake. And then he was stabbed uh, with a spear after the fire failed to consume the bo his body. And, you know, that's what the Bible says. You know, you'll go through the fire and you shall not be burned. Amen. And, and God is with you no matter where you are. But I think it's fascinating. According to Jerome, this man... Uh, Polycarp, he was a disciple of the Apostle John, and he was ordained as Bishop of Smyrna. Uh, Smyrna is in western Turkey, and it's the city today that's known as Izmir. Um, uh, it's the third largest city in Turkey. It's a port city on the Aegean coast. And um, incidentally, this was one of the seven churches um, uh, that, that's uh, written to in the book of Revelation. And uh, so Polycarp was uh, obviously a very important man. He was one of the, the three chief apostolic fathers, along with Clement of Rome and Ignatius of Antioch. And because of his great age and stature, they offered him clemency. Um, uh, they offered him clemency if he would renounce Christ. And he simply responded, "Eighty and six years I've served him, and he has done me no wrong." How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with a fire that burns for a season and after a little while is quenched. But you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked. And so he sealed the testimony of his life uh, by his courageous death. Amen. He sealed the message he preached in life uh, by his death. And I, I want to ask you today, what kind of message is your life giving to a lost and a dying world? If we're afraid of a little ice, I'm not sure we're going to make it in the days that are going to come. Because you should see where we came from this morning. It went silent in the car this morning going down the hill, but I was determined I'm getting there if I have to walk. The reason Polycarp was burned at the stake and then pierced through the heart was because he refused to offer incense to the emperor, which was uh, really the reason why, you know, uh, millions of believers gave their lives in the early days of the church. They were all offered the option, just offer a pinch of incense uh, to the emperor and say, Caesar is Lord. And yet one by one, men and women bravely said, hell no, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Amen. And so anyway, we may face similar tests in the days that are to come in regards to the new state religion of LGBT, 
climate change, digital ID, and mandatory vaccines. Oh, pastor, don't be melodramatic. Well, try being promoted to CEO or elected to being a, a head of state without kissing the ring of these various ideologies, which are really simply various strands of the very same cord that is being used to choke the life out of you know, what we know as uh, freedom and liberty. The, the, the cords that are, like I said, various strands, but they're being used to, to, to choke the life, like I said, uh, out of, out of the, the, the rights and the freedoms that, that we have taken for granted uh, for many years. And, um, and so, like I said, we're, 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 when they talk about the, the, the new normal, it is, is really about, or the great reset, um, uh, it's really about the subversion and destruction of, of all that we know as being normal and good. And uh, like I said, the destruction of our rights and our freedoms. And as a pastor, I'm called to speak. Ecclesiastes 3.7, there's a time to be silent, there's a time to speak. I refuse to be silent just because it might trigger some people or offend some people or make them uncomfortable. Hell no, in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak. God has given me a voice and I'm going to use it. And, I've, I, and I tell you, you, you know, I've been, I've been praying to the Lord many times over the years and I said, Lord, when the time comes, help me to die with courage. Help me, to, help me to die with courage and honor. But the only way we can die with courage and honor is by living with courage and honor. And that's why I'm going to speak while there's breath in my lungs. Let us be reminded by Polycarp's story that there is a cost to the call. Luke 14 and verse 27. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me, can it be my disciple? If you saw a man carrying a cross, that was a dead man walking. He was no longer in control of his destiny. He was as good as dead. I think it's uh, the, the, uh, the movie the, the, the Hobbit where uh, they enlist this, uh, this dead army to defeat. Uh, it's a wonderful story, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, but they, they, uh, this army of, of dead spirits, they, 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 they bring them and they can't be defeated because they can't be, you can't kill somebody who's already dead. And, and this is the thing what Jesus was saying, is if you want to follow me, you, you have to die. And, and if you understand that, it will set you free from uh, pride. It will set you free from the fear of man because Jesus wants an army in this day. And uh, it's an army of men and women that are dead to pride, dead to ambition, dead to the fear of man, dead to the, you know, the, the control and the propaganda that is pervading our society and is being pumped out through every uh, means possible. I mean, you can't even watch a kid's movie now with all of this woke propaganda being pushed down your throat. But this is why Jesus said, unless you take up your cross, and it says, whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You see, the cross speaks to us. We must remember that we have a Savior who understands what it is to suffer, having suffered himself. And, and, and this is why the symbol of our faith is not an armchair, it is a cross. Amen. And there's a reason. 
Because if you serve Christ in this day and age, there may be times where you will suffer. Fact is, it's almost guaranteed. But you know what? There is no other way. There is no other way than to follow Jesus. And this is why, before being martyred, Polycarp said this, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of the martyrs, I may share the cup of Christ. He was thanking God for the opportunity to suffer. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. We see here the disciples. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them. Another version says, I think the NIV, and flogged them. Sometimes we, we read these things without really actually feeling or, 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 or understanding in depth what happened. They, these men were flogged. They were beaten. Uh, they went through extreme pain. And it says, uh, thank you, Jesus. And when they had beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, feeling sorry for themselves and offended and saying, why God, why? How many believers waste half their life saying, why God, why? Why did this happen to me? It doesn't say they did that. It says they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They did not back down in the face of persecution. They continued to persist and press forward. You see, just like the disciples before him and multitudes of believers afterwards, Polycarp counted it a privilege to suffer persecution for the gospel. So what is our testimony? Essentially, it is our story of how we came to Christ. You may not have a story as dramatic as Kean's, but everyone that has come to Christ has a story, has a testimony to, to give, amen, as defined. Uh, because again, a, a testimony is defined as a written or spoken statement, especially one that's given in a court of law. It's a public telling of a conversion, supernatural encounter, or experience. Before the service even started today, God, uh, I already had a testimony to give. And I'll tell it privately to my wife. But you know what? God is faithful in Jesus' name. It's interesting to note that in court, hearsay is inadmissible. Hearsay is simply information gained from another person that can't be substantiated. You know, mere rumor, gossip, uh, you know, uh, conjecture. Um, uh, because you can only speak or give evidence of what you have personally seen or heard, not of what somebody else told you. Okay, and this is why 1 John chapter 1, and it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have uh, seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 
So here the disciples are saying, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what, what we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. These men were saying, this is real. We have seen it. This is not fantasy. This is not conjecture. This is not our imagination. We have seen this. We have seen it with our own very eyes. We have touched him. We know that Jesus is the Christ. And this is why we can believe their, their testimony, because the disciples gave their lives for the gospel. Do you know that all of them, bar John, died a violent death? And he should have died a violent death, except that God miraculously delivered him because he was put into a, a vat of boiling oil. And when they couldn't kill him, they just, um, you know, exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, uh, where God gave him the, the book of Revelation. And, um, uh, uh, but, you know, all of the disciples died a violent uh, death. But the reason why is because they were convinced it was the truth. Men won't die for a lie. If they hadn't seen Jesus raised from death, they would have backed down. But they were each martyred in their turn because they knew that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is God's sinless son. That he is, he is the truth. He is the way. And, and this is why, you know, some, uh, they were martyred in various places. I think uh, Thomas was martyred in India. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've read before where the, all of these various men and women were, were martyred. Andrew, he, he, he hung from an ex-shape cross I think it was in Greece and for three days he preached to those who who persecuted him he he kept preaching the gospel until his dying breath Peter was was crucified on a cross and he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself to be worthy to die in the same manner of his Lord these men were absolutely convinced are you are you I see so many Christians that are half-hearted and lukewarm and compromised. This is a day for us to, to, to take up our cross and follow Jesus and live for him. Either live for him or step out of the way and stop calling yourself a Christian. That would be a good place to say thank you, Jesus. That's good preaching whether or not you realize it. Take up your cross and follow me. They had personally encountered Christ. Not just in his life and ministry. Not just in his suffering and death. But in his resurrection and glorious ascension to the right hand side of the Father. This is why no service or sacrifice on their part could be counted as being some, some big thing. They knew Jesus was the truth, the ascended, resurrected Lord. And they, this encounter with Christ changed them forever. This is what might have been in Paul's heart when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I believe there have been things unleashed on this earth over the last four or five years that have been waiting from eternity to be released. 
unprecedented confusion, perversion, immorality, wickedness, godlessness. But in the midst of that, I believe God has reserved a special anointing for the end times. Glory to God. The early church burned bright for Jesus. The end church, end times church is going to burn with his glory. Because the Bible says we're called to go from glory to glory. So as good as yesterday might have been, you know what? Today is going to be better in Jesus' name. And tomorrow is going to be better. Glory to God. Because God is with you. And if God is for us. Who can be against us? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Do you know in the book of Acts, it says that the, the, the people were afraid to go to the church. It says they were held in high esteem and the people were afraid of them. Because I believe there was such an anointing. You didn't go to church to play games. You didn't go to church to try and find a, a wife or a husband. You didn't go to church to try and build your business or launch your ministry or all of the other foolish games that go on. You didn't go to church being comfortable with the fact that you were, you know, out in the nightclub and drinking and sleeping around during the week and today you're in church. Amen. We see Ananias and Sapphira. There was a special anointing with the, with the beginning, with the early church. There will be a special anointing with the end times church because we're going to need it. The early church was persecuted and the end times church will be as well. They had encounters, divine encounters with Christ. You see the history of, of, of mankind and the Bible itself is, is replete with stories of divine encounters with the living God that left men and women forever changed. You know, men and women who started out as sinners but ended up as saints. Moses, Gideon, Naaman, Matthew, Mary Magdalene, Peter, Paul, Augustine, John Newton, and, and others. John Newton, the man who, who wrote the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, once was a man who was a slave trader, and he gets saved, and he writes this beautiful hymn that has inspired believers through the, through the ages. Men and women who started out as sinners, but ended up as saints. You know, we can say with absolute certainty of the gospel, we can say with absolute certainty of this gospel, as David did of Goliath's sword, there is none like it. There is no message like the gospel. There is no message that can change a person's life and destiny. Yeah, people can turn over a new leaf. We're not talking about turning over a new leaf. We're talking about giving you a new heart, Amen. a new life. Amen. Glory to Jesus. This is what the gospel does. 1 Samuel 21, and David said to Bimelech, is there not here a sword or a spear? For I've brought neither my sword or my weapons with me. Because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. There it is wrapped in a cloth besides the ephod. If you can take it, if you can take that, take it. For there is no uh, other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. David knew there was no sword like the sword of Goliath. 
Amen? And there's no other message that can save and heal and deliver and, and set free a sinner who is standing on the very edge of an eternal abyss. Positive thinking won't save you. Listening to another preacher giving a, a trite little inspiring TED talk won't save you. You need the gospel and nothing but the gospel. And as the church, we have to come back to the simplicity of the gospel. There is no other like it. The stories of these men and women inspire us even to this very day. Augustine, the early church father, who before coming, becoming a believer was bound by lust and he had prayed, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. Isn't that the way the world is? Yeah, yeah, you're a Christian. I'll serve the Lord when I'm older. You do not know if you're going to be here tomorrow if a person is not saved. You don't have a guarantee about tomorrow. All you have is right now. Right now, that is all you have. You have this moment, this opportunity to get right with him. And yet this very same man who prayed, you know, this, this confused, perverted prayer before he got saved, by God's glorious grace became a stalwart believer, along with becoming a renowned uh, theologian, philosopher, and a father of the early church. How many of you long to see these encounters for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your colleagues, for your nation, for the world at large? I don't know about you, I do. So over these two Sundays, you're going to hear the stories of, of two people who have had a personal encounter with Christ. Because truly, this is the greatest miracle of all. Amen. This is absolutely the greatest miracle of all. That God takes our sin-hardened hearts and makes us new. That he takes a hell-bound sinner and turns them, transforms them into a heaven-bound saint. Glory to Jesus. Is there anybody here today who can say, I'm a heaven-bound saint. Heaven is my home. That's where I'm going. I don't belong to this world. Heaven is my home. I once was that, that, that hell-bound sinner, but today I'm, I'm a heaven-bound saint, not because I'm so good or virtuous or deserving, but because he is so good. He is so merciful. He is so loving that he so loved the world that he gave his only son to take our place on that cross. Leonard Ravenhill said this, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. This is why this series is called Saints and Sinners. Because every saint has a past, and by God's glorious grace, every sinner has a future if they will but call on the name that is above all names. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to him. If you've never accepted him, or if you've been away from him, and there's no shortage of submarine Christians, like I said, Every odd Sunday, they'll, they'll be here the rest of the week. They're, you know, plunged to great depths of sin and depravity. That's an insult to the gospel. And this is the good news of the gospel, is that you can be changed. 
just like Kian. How many of you are blessed to hear Kian's story? Come on. We are all so proud of him and of the man of God that he is becoming. You know, I, I saw it week by week, him working so hard, you know, cleaning and, 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 and just humbling himself before the Lord and just having a good attitude. Having a good attitude, it's, it's so beautiful to see what God is doing. And, and you know what, how about that beautiful anointed woman of God that he has placed by his side, Naima, glory to God. You know, from Pakistan, a Muslim, she comes, she came, to, she came to this church and she got saved. One Sunday, she just walked up the aisle and gave her life to Jesus. One decision, and yet it has so many ramifications that you don't even realize. This is the beauty of the gospel. And that's why I'm determined to spend the rest of my days preaching this message. You can't fail, Kian. With God watching your steps and that woman watching your back, you can't fail. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. How many of you are glad we serve a God of redemption? A God that specializes in taking what is broken and lost and messed up and making it whole. You see, God sets the captives free. Luke 418, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty, you see, this is a gospel of liberty and freedom. And that's why I've consistently spoken out against this, you know, new world order that is being pushed through so many avenues and means because ultimately it comes down to control and slavery and, and you know, uh, this destruction. And this is why as Christians we have to stand against these ideologies because, you know, the, when they talk about tolerance, they actually mean intolerance. And, and so, again, Jesus came to set the captives free. And this is the irony. There are many sinners who think they are free when, in fact, they are in captivity because they are slaves to sin. They think the Christian life is somehow restrictive when, in fact, it's the only way to true freedom and forgiveness. And so I believe it's time for some minds, along with many, many prison doors, to be opened in Ireland. Let me tell you something. Religion didn't do it. If it did, Ireland would have been saved long ago. Jesus didn't come to give a Protestant church or a Catholic church or any other church. He came and he said, I will build my church. And his church is the one that is preaching the gospel, that is preaching repentance and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. I hate that religious spirit. There are many, many sincere people within those denominations. But you know what? That religious spirit refuses to give honor and glory to God. 
It will never do it. Because it's an institution, it's an organization, and it does not glorify him. Jesus came to set the captives free. It's time for freedom to come to this nation. We've had centuries of religion being shoved down our throat. Freedom through Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Do you not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But, and I find that so encouraging, God puts a but there. He lists what we were. He lists what we were, and then he puts a but. Because some of us at times can go back there in our minds, and the devil tries to condemn us about what we did, and where we were, and who we were with, and what we were doing, and what we were. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Where you were is not who you are. Remember that, child of God. Where you were is not who you are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We've all been lost in a deep pit of sin and shame. But the blood of Jesus, through the blood, we have been redeemed. As the worship group come forward. You see, it's time for us to ask God for nations. Psalm 2 and 8. Ask me, I will give you the nations. I want you to stand to your feet today. How do you change a nation or a generation? It starts with one divine encounter. Just like Kean, you can change a nation one soul at a time. One decision at a time. And so, again, it's my sincere hope that these two weeks will stir your heart. Because I believe God wants to restore to the church the love of winning souls to Him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never been born again, if you don't have that assurance that if this was to be your final day on planet Earth, please don't play games right now by, you know, saying, well, I'm embarrassed, I'm, I'm Irish, I'm this. I don't buy that I'm Irish crap, okay? Go into a pub and see how Irish people behave. Go into a rugby match, or a football match, or a soccer match, and see how Irish people behave. We're not shy. It's just when we come into church, the devil whispers into people's ear, oh, you could never do that. Listen, some of the things that some of you might have done in the past, we need to get over this. And so, very quickly, because we're going to have the, the food in the foyer, and then we have the... Uh, our Christmas party, but I'm not going to finish today without giving you an opportunity to make your life right with God. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you do not know the Lord, if you do not have peace with Him, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord, 
Some of you might have asked him to be Savior, but some of you are living like he is not Lord. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, put your hand up today. I'm going to pray with you. Is there anybody here you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Don't miss this opportunity. If you've never responded to him before, and today you know you need to receive Jesus Christ, put your hand up high like you're not ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you one last opportunity. And please don't walk up to me after the service and say, I want to pray. If you're not willing to do it in public, please don't do it in private. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. How many people through eternity have resisted opportunities to receive Jesus because their friends were there or they're afraid of what people would think? And, and you know what? I believe some of those people end up in hell because of their fear of man. The fear of man is a snare. And I take authority over that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. So if you're here and you're not saved and you know you're not right with God, but you want to receive him as Savior, this is your opportunity. Put your hand up high in Jesus' name. And if everybody is saved, then so be it. But, you know, we need to do a better job of bringing the, uh, the lost into church. Amen. Because this is a message, I believe, that many unsaved people in this nation need to hear. And you know what? We all have friends. We have family. We have neighbors who desperately need to hear this message. I was just in hospital during the week talking to a lady, and she talked about how her, her neighbor, her neighbor's son, just in his 20s, hung himself this week. That is happening week in, week out, in the city and throughout this nation. And we got a church that is asleep. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and serve the Lord. So could you lift your hands today to the Lord? If you're ready to respond to the call of taking up your cross and following Jesus, just lift your hands to the Lord and pray with me today. Don't put your hands up if you don't mean this. But if you're going to make a quality decision to serve him like you've never served him before because Jesus is coming back. He is coming back and we need to be ready. So just lift your hands. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, say it like you mean it. Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you died for me. And because you died for me, I will live for you. Forgive me for where I've compromised. Forgive me for where I've failed. I recommit my life to you today and ask you, Spirit of God, have your way in my life. Be glorified in my life. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give a shout of praise to the Lord.